excited about this Saturday night service. And one of the things we had our, we had our prayer and worship night last night for it as well. And uh, thank you to all those that were able to come out, even in minus a bunch. Uh, we still had it. We still did it. And it, it, it was powerful. It's good. And the cool thing to see about it, what, what the whole purpose behind this whole thing is, is that we're setting the platform that has a purpose. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 4, this is something the Lord showed me and just helped me out with it. But in the book of Nehemiah, you know that that was a time when the Israelites rebuilt the walls. And it says in Nehemiah 8.4 that uh, the Israelites, on purpose, they made the stage for Ezra to read the word of the Lord. So there was a stage with a purpose. And that's the same thing that we've been doing over these past Tuesdays, over week in, week out, this yesterday as well, is we're setting the stage because there's a purpose behind it, and that is to spread Jesus across the area that we're in. I don't know about you, but I desire more than anything is to spread Jesus. Because listen, if I mean, those that have been part of this church, maybe you've, you've enjoyed this church. Anything that you've enjoyed in this church is because of Jesus. If there's anybody that you like in this church, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> if you've enjoyed even some of the messages and preachings that have been happening, listen, it's not because of my wittiness and my coolness. It's because of Jesus. It is the absolute truth. I mean, if you, there's anybody around you that you enjoy, it's Jesus. <laughs> and if there's anything that like, I don't quite like that, it's man. <laughs> so, but that's just the whole heartbeat behind it is, man, we're going to give people another opportunity to be impacted by Jesus on a Saturday night. And again, it's to reach a whole different dynamic, a group of people that wouldn't otherwise make it to a, a Sunday morning type of service. But we're just making Jesus available throughout the week. And if it happens, we got to start one on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. So be it. We are willing to do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. Thank you for all those that are with me. That's awesome. Because listen, I, uh, there's a promise that Jesus made and he's going to keep it. And it's he's coming back. And I don't know about you, but uh, our role here as the church is to reach and to impact people for Jesus. That's why the church is here. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to, I'm, I'm actually finishing up our, uh, our childhood on, on growing up in the part of it just regarding childhood. And we will finish it on, I believe, February 18th. Pastor Sheila will be doing next week. She's here to uh, kick, some, kick some booty on change. So you'll enjoy that. Jamie and I, we're actually going to be in BC next week. Um, there's a church that phoned us and asked if we would come and speak at a church there in Ladner, BC, just outside Vancouver. Because, uh, you know, we also have a ministry impacting Canada Ministries, and they're looking for more informa information to hook up. And that's an awesome opportunity there that we can go in and uh, get a BC rep uh, established so we can start getting pastors connected, churches connected in British Columbia. So that's the heart there. So we'll be there, and we'll do all, that, all, the, all the cool stuff. Uh, where are you? Perfect. All right. Before I just read this scripture to you, God has used us, this church, to a degree. Would you, would you agree? Right? We've, we've seen it. You've experienced it. God has used you to a degree. Correct? Right? You, you're able. God was able to use you. And let me say this. I'll just throw this in. That there is nothing better on planet Earth than God Almighty, the creators of all the heavens and the earth, to use a human being to accomplish a will and a purpose that he has on this earth. There's nothing greater. Come on now. There's nothing greater. 
If you can think of anything better than that, I'd like to, I'd like to meet you. Because I've seen nothing, I know nothing else other than God himself being able to use you. Now, God being able to use us to the next measure, to the next degree, what's it going to take for us to, for God to be able to use us? Is it going to be required, oh God, we're just coming, we're going to just, God, please use us more. We want to be used of you, God. Listen, I've, I've prayed those prayers. I've spent so much time just, God, use me. What can you do? I'll, what can I do for you? I'll do whatever it takes. Anybody ever prayed that before? Those are good, and it's wonderful to have that, those aspirations and those dreams. But more importantly, in order to be used of God in a greater measure, it's time for us to grow up. To learn His ways, to know what He thinks, to know what He says, to operate just like He would. Man, the moment, what, what separates you from Jesus at this, at this exact moment? What separates you from Him? I mean, spiritually speaking, nothing. You, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now I'm talking about in your effectiveness, in carrying out what the, the works that he called us to do. Listen, we saw Jesus, you read what he did, and he did amazing things. But he said, even greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. He, did he say that? John 14, 12, Jesus said those exact words. So what's it going to require for you and I to now partake and be involved in doing those types of works? It's growing up. Right? You can tell where somebody's out based on how they think, how they reason, how they speak. So what's separating you from Jesus at this moment? It may be a thought, the way you're thinking. It may be the way that you're understanding something. It may be the way that you're talking. Right? One of those three things. So what it's going to require of us is to grow up. Man, when we grow up and we're able to think differently, understand differently, talk differently according to what he said in his word, guess what? He's going to be able to use you to a higher level and a new degree. Anybody interested in that? I mean, don't, you don't want to be satisfied with where you're at. I mean, there's more for you. It's to be just like Jesus. So in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, that is small up there. I'm not going to read the whole thing, just the very, the, <laughs> the second part of it. I don't know if you can see continue to work out. Uh, you see that? Oh, therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you will show in my presence much more because I'm not so to carry this over. Okay, work out. Very second line. Far right, that's where we're going to pick it off. Thank you, Amplified. Mine says, continue to work out your own salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, and actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. So what is Paul encouraging us to do is we are to actively pursue spiritual maturity. Actively pursue it. Now, did you have to actively pursue natural growth? No, because you just grow up over time, right? Your body's got bigger, right? Just that's over time you just grew. But spiritually speaking, you can't just be, say, oh, I'm going to wait when I'm 60 years old, then I can really be used of God. No, because listen, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with time. It's based really in obedience. That's the biggest part of it. So spiritual maturity, you wanting to grow in it, wanting to develop in it, it has nothing to do with how old you are. Because you can be 75 years old and be still in pampers spiritually. Anybody ever met a 75-year-old baby? Spiritually speaking? Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you could also meet, there could be a 19, 20-year-old, 10-year-old that could be a spiritual giant and yet still be in college or high school. Is that possible? Yeah, look at David, 17 years old, and out of the entire nation, a 17-year-old guy was more ready to fight Goliath than anybody else. So it has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with spiritual maturity, and that is, has to be actively pursued. Right? Okay, you see that? 
Now, I want you to notice that there's two ingredients that are required, really, to actively be pursuing spiritual maturity. You've got to have these two. And why a lot of people are not spiritually mature, or why not they're not experiencing the fullness of salvation, is two things, two areas. Number one is fearing God. There's no respect for God. People don't want to grow up because they don't have a genuine respect for God. There's not this deep reverence. And it doesn't mean you're scared of God. It means you don't have this desire, this, this longing to hear what He's got to say, to be like who He wants you to be. If there has to be that desire. I want to be just like Him. Lord, like I'll, I, and the second one that He says is trembling. And I like the way that the Amplified brings it out. It says, um, with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. What's the second part of that? Is that you are afraid to actually be away from Him. I don't want to be away from Him. This is who He is. This is what He's like. So when He says trembling, man, the way that He he keeps uh, Philippians 2.12 continues to say it, I don't want to have anything that would offend God in my life. So you're constantly asking the question, Lord, is there anything in me that needs change? What in me? Lord, here's my heart. Search my heart. Is there anything in my life that is displeasing to you? And allowing Him to train, allowing Him to show you, and you not fearing away or just kind of flowing it to the side, it's actually grasping it and saying, okay, Lord, by Your grace, I will now make this change. Right? That's what's needed in order to see spiritual growth happen. Nobody just comes into being a full manhood in, spiritually speaking, it's actively pursued and you've got to want it. Anybody want it? I want it more than anything. And that's what we list off before is why are we growing up? And real quickly, can anybody tell me the five reasons why we're to grow up? Yeah. But we've been over these for the past five weeks. So I'm hoping that now something should click. Number one, it's the plan of God. In fact, it's required of you and I to grow up. Okay, thank you for that. That took a long time. Number two was, he's building and he's advancing the church. God needs what? Builders and advancers. He needs plowers and builders. Right? Thirdly, thank you, Jordy. God paid too big of a price for you and I just to be babies. He paid a huge price. And for people to be stuck in babyhood is a slap in his face. That's not what he came to do. Fourthly, I think someone just had a tongue and interpretation. I'm going <laughs> to. You are an heir to everything. The Father has given you the kingdom itself, Jesus said. Luke chapter 12, you'll see that. And lastly, someone's life depends on you growing up. It depends on it. Why? Because babies and children cannot grow the church. They cannot advance the church. And what is God interested in doing? Building and advancing His church. It's reaching people. Children and babies don't even think about reaching people. They don't think about it. Right? Because they're more self-absorbed. And we're going to talk about that. All right? We're all, we're all happy? Okay. Okay. We, we, you, you passed the test. You got five out of five. So for those that answered, I always enjoyed that in school. Whenever the teacher asked a question, uh, 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 if somebody answers it for you, yes. <laughs> I owe you, man. I'll give you a French fry at lunchtime or something. All right. 
So again, Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to turn there again. Let's just read this quickly. Ephesians 4, verse 10 through 16. This is the ultimate goal for the church, for you and I, where we're heading and what we're about to become. Man, don't you love the Word of God? Now, how can you tell you love the Word of God? I just threw out another question, and I'm... Somebody better be hoping that somebody gets the right answer. Is it the person that wakes up every morning and reads two chapters a day and just says, okay, I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm reading it. Just say, let me give you a little scenario. you got somebody who just goes in and just wakes up in the morning and starts reading Ephesians 4, reading Ephesians 4, and he read the entire book of Ephesians before he went off to work. Or is it the guy that read one scripture and said, Lord, how can I put this into my life? Is it A or B? B. B. It's not just you reading the Word of God. It's doing the Word of God. 1 John tells us that those that do the Word of God, those are them that love Him. So we're not here just to be hearers of this Word, but we're here to be active doers. Because if you're just hearing the Word of God, it's not being able to do anything in your life. The purpose of every time we come and do these messages, we're here to actively pursue spiritual growth. It requires an action. It requires a doing. If we're just listening, nothing is going to change in your life. Listeners don't get changed. It's doers that get changed, right? Okay. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the, to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, and their responsibility. Whose responsibility? Okay. We'll just say the fivefold. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the body of Christ. So who is going to be equipped? Okay, so people who are getting equipped are God's people. What are they going to do with this equipment? They're going to build up the body, to build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, we're all on the same page? Okay, verse 13. This will continue. What will continue? The equipping of the saints for the building, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, what is the purpose of our church services? It's to be equipped. So that you look more like Jesus. That's why we come gathered together. That's why, that's why what church is all about. Is we come gathered together, we get equipped so that we look more like Him. Because the standard is, again, not your spouse. Not the coolest Christian you've seen on Facebook. Not the next greatest YouTube clip and that you've heard. And now that's amazing, that's amazing. If I can just be like that. No, that's, that's great. And as I said, anything good you've heard from somebody is because they got it from Jesus. Our goal in life now is to be who? Just like just to be just like Jesus, to talk like Him, to think like Him, to reason like Him. So if you look at your life, the measuring stick is not, okay, I'm better than the person across the room who's not raising their hands during the worship. My standard is Jesus. So think about that. Isn't that amazing news that God designed you, created you to be just like Jesus? And that's why we said Jesus isn't an example for us. He's an example of us. When you see Jesus walking the streets of Galilee, put yourself in his shoes. You're supposed to operate just like that. 
I hope some of that slaps somebody eventually. That, that's huge. Man, you all of a sudden, like the woman that went to go and touch Jesus' garment. Stop picturing yourself as the woman just trying to get a touch from Jesus. Start seeing yourself with the one with the cloak that people are trying to touch you. That's what God created you for. It's to be the one that makes the impact. He paid too high of a price for you to constantly be begging for a touch. Listen, he's touched your life. You've been touched. Now what it is, we have to come to the realization of what's already on the inside of me. You know, I like this terminology. You are already becoming the person you already created to be. You're on your way to become the person that you already created to be. You're on your way to it. God created you to be just like him. I'm glad that we're all excited about that this morning. All right. Okay. You're allowed to run if you need to. That's, I'm, I'm, that's totally fine. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Do you know there is so much teaching out there that's clever it sounds like truth, but it's deception. Why? Well, because it's a, it's a bit off from what this word says. So we got to stay together. We got to stick to what the word of God says, because the word of God is the only foundation that we have to navigate during these crazy worldly times that we're in. The moment we step off of this word and start trying to live our life about, oh, I'm just going to have my own thing. I'm going to do my own kind of church. I, I just worship the Lord on my own. You're getting away from this. And eventually you become kind of weird. It's just a matter of time. You get away from the book, it's destined weirdness. <laughs> awesome. That's nobody here. I know that. But I just have to say that because that's the truth. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the ultimate goal that we're reaching for is individuals, churches, to speak the truth in love. Now, just speaking the truth, you won't have an ear. I think people have proven that. Churches around have proven that. Right? You see those turn or burn signs. That's not turning anybody. It's not helping. So, but if we have, we speak the truth in love, now it gives a voice. You know, love gives truth a voice. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul made this statement. He said, if, if I have all the knowledge, if I could speak all the eloquent languages of mankind, and if I could speak like all the angels, but if I had not love, what am I? I'm a clanging, I'm a noise. I'm a clanging symbol. I'm just loudness out there. We can't afford the church just to be loud out there. That's not the point. We're looking for effectiveness, right? We're trying to change the world. Trying to, we're trying to take over this world. How is it going to do it? By just being loud and just, you know, this is my opinion on this and this is what I think on this. By speaking the truth in love, we may grow up. Speaking the truth in love. You know, in, this, in Proverbs, I don't know the address, but it says the sweetness of, of lips increases learning. It's the sweetness of your lips that increases and not how right you are. Right? We got, there's lots of people that just, oh, I'm right. This is the way that it is. This is the way that it is. Does anybody want to join that? No, nope, not interested. Why? Because there's no love backing it up. It may be true, but if there's no love to it, nobody, you're not, you've lost your influence right off the bat. Okay? So childhood, these are the three things, or these are the two things that we talked about, and we're going to, I'm going to go over again one of them. 
But number one, remember the first week of childhood. What was the first thing we discussed about children? They are the first one that we did. On the run. They are constantly on the move. Anybody got kids? How great of shape are you in now? Right? I got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-month-old. And man, those guys are moving. I'm just constantly doing this. No, no, no. Stay over here. No, no, no. Take them out. No, no, don't. Please don't touch that. Please don't touch that. They are on the go constantly. And it's sometimes, okay, guys, let's just let's bring it in. You know, bringing it in, I do that a lot with them. Okay, boys, bring it in. Bring it in. You get that attitude. Don't give me that attitude, boy. You bring it in, you get happy when I bring it in. <laughs> So bringing it in, finally, when we get together, you mean, their eyes aren't even on me. I'm like, okay, boys, I want eyes right here. So I get down, look at them. I said, I want four brown eyes on me right now. This is your dad speaking. Get them on me. Get them on me. And once in a while, I'll have to flex or do something to jerk their attention. Because right away, when I bring them in, <laughs> hey, Papa, what's that over there? No, bring it in. Bring it in. How do you think God's like a lot with his children? Bring it in. Meanwhile, we're, I wonder what Facebook says about that. I want, what, what's, what's going on here? So what God's telling us is that we got to stop. Stop. Bring it in. Right? And I made this statement that I'm, what the way the Lord showed me is I'm to move away from a driven lifestyle to a led lifestyle. We got a lot of driven people in the world, and that's great. It's good to have drive. It's good to have motivation. This is where I'm heading. But if I'm not led in my, dri- in my drivenness, I'll be off. So I got to bring it in. Lord, what are you telling me to do? This is what you tell me. This is what I'm going to go after. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. This is the scripture that, uh, that we used. I don't think I have it on the screen there. Oh, you do. Okay. It says, make it your goal to live a quiet life. Anybody had that? Oh, this is the year. Oh, no, this is the year I'm going to lose 55 pounds and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to. Does anybody have it on their goal to live a quiet life? One, two. Oh, oh hey. All right. Perfect. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. And quiet doesn't just mean like, okay, I'm just, you know, zoning everybody else out. It means that I'm getting still before the Lord and finding out what does he need me to do. Rather than living a driven lifestyle, I'm becoming led in everything that I do. So that was the first thing that we talked about. And isn't that the truth? Okay. Secondly, what I want to talk about, and this is, this is new, is children talk a lot. <laughs> now again, we're talking about actively pursuing spiritual growth. And you know what? I missed a scripture in 1 Corinthians. Let, let me just back up here for a sec. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians 13, verse 11. This is Paul. And he said, when I was a child, what did he say? I spoke like a child, thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Or I guess new living. So what does it say? But when I grew up, I put away childish ways. Now, part of growing up, you actually have to put away some things. Say, put away. away. Listen, mommy and daddy aren't going to put it away for you. You've got to put some things away. And so this is what I want to just talk about. This is going to require some discipline. This is, I mean, how do, like, let's just say, if you're a baby, if you just received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how do you develop and train babies to go to the next level? You give them the word. 
right? You give them the sincere, sincere milk of the word where they hear it and they will grow by hearing the milk, right? But now if you're a child, how do we grow up to go off of a childhood into maturehood? It requires discipline. Anybody enjoy discipline? If you raised your hand, you're crazy. All right. No. <laughs> you know, before I move on here, just go to Hebrews chapter 12 for a sec. Let me just show you this. Hebrews chapter 12, and it says, uh, if you look in verse 5, it says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of it. And don't give up when he corrects you. So the temptation is during discipline, during correction, is you'll want to give up. Let, let me just, when the Lord disciplines you, when he corrects you, you'll want to give up. That's what it'll feel like to your flesh. I just, this is too hard to do. I, I, I can't do this anymore. This is just too much. And that's what he's saying. Don't, don't let that throw you off. Look at, he says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his own, as his child. As look at verse seven, as you endure, say endure. endure. <laughs> Listen, anybody gone through some correction before? Now, just think of it even naturally speaking. How many of you got disciplined as a child? Those of you that didn't raise your hands, I can tell. All right, okay. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> what did you do during the, the discipline and the correction? You <laughs> cried? Part of that is enduring. Part of that is enduring. I endured it. That's why I'm here. Because if I just crumbled, I tell you, I would not be here physically. <laughs> as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who has never been disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we are respected, our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of spirits and live forever? So let me encourage you, welcome discipline. Because a lot of times people are looking for the feel-good stuff. I just want to feel good. Listen, to feel even better is to endure divine discipline. Anybody experienced divine dis discipline before? Man, it hurts. Not, there's not, it's not physical pain, but in your heart, I don't want to let God down. Man, I messed up this before. Man, you just have this, oh, like, oh, this conviction. Lord, I, I didn't do this properly. And that, that hurts. So what I want to do is, like, Lord, here's my heart. What do I need to make a change in? Show me. I didn't talk to my wife properly. Okay, Lord, what, what do I need to do here? I didn't handle that situation with my kids. Lord, show me. What do I need to do differently? That's what he's talking about through fear and trembling that you carry out and actively pursue the spiritual maturity. Is you got to grow. People just living their life, not even thinking about, when's the last time God disciplined you? That's not something we talk about. People are like, this is the last time God blessed me. And we're talking about a lot of blessers, but I haven't heard many people getting corrected yet. Right? And not that we're looking for it because anybody going through it, it's not fun. But listen, when's the last time that I got disciplined? When's the last time you've been disciplined? So in this, in order to grow up, I have to put away childish things. 
That's what this whole discipline thing is all about, is so that God shows you it in your life, and you go, okay, I see that in my life. Now I'm going to remove that, get that out of my life, and I'm going to replace it with what you said in your word. That's what it is. Right? Okay. Now where was I? <laughs> um, we're talking about children talk a lot. Okay. Talk a lot. So let me just, and even backing up before that, sorry, is living life on the run. You're going to actually have to discipline yourself to stop, to listen, to ask the Lord, what do you have need of? What should I be doing in this situation? It requires discipline. Because I promise you this, the first time you start doing it, <laughs> right away when you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to start spending time with you. And then the first three minutes, you're going to be out doing something different. Like, oh, man, what? come on. Get, no, you're supposed to be hearing. What am I supposed to be doing? And you'll have to train yourself. Don't get mad at yourself. Don't go, oh, man, how come I'm not? It's a discipline. You're going to have to start disciplining your own self. And listen, the Lord is so interested in training and developing us up that he'll use whoever he can to discipline. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You may even get in it now. Just what, so how do we look at it? Rather than, why are you trying to correct me? Just go, I receive it. Because listen, if you look at it that way, then you just, you, then you get punished. Right. No, just rather than, okay, Lord, I'm just taking on the position of I receive and I welcome it. Then that way you have the heart to carry it through. Right? You're okay with that. We're all on the same page. Okay. So now being talkative. So this obviously is going to be a discipline. Children talk a lot, or should I say they have an opinion about everything. And here's the thing, people pride themselves saying, I have an opinion about everything. <laughs> it is, in my opinion, you know, this is what I think about this. It's good that you just shut up. <laughs> right? Look at this, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. It says, in a multitude of words, transgression is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is prudent. This is, that's the wrong amplified version. Um, I got a different one. Let me read it to you here from, um, you know, the message translation says, The wise measure their words. In the Passion it says, If you keep talking, it won't be long before you're saying something really wrong. Prove your wise from the very start. Just bite your tongue and be strong. Now let me ask you this. What's the purpose of words? Anybody ever thought about that before? What, what's the purpose? Like, I, I'm able to talk. I'm able to communicate. I'm able to sh just to let things out. Things are coming out of my mouth even as I'm saying things. They're leaving. What's the purpose behind this? Now, you've got to go back to Genesis and you find out what God did. What did God do in creation? What did he do in order to create the world? He spoke. What do many people use their words for? To get things out off their chest, to share an opinion, to share, this is what I think about this matter. What does God use his words for? Creation. <laughs> it's for creation. God saw there was darkness there. What did God do? He strategically used his words to create. There was chaos, there was darkness. It says the earth was void and without form. So in the midst of all this chaos, what did God do with his words? Did he just say, oh my goodness, this is just nuts. Look at this, dark, without form. And this isn't the way that I wanted things to look like. This is absolutely ridiculous. 
Now, what did he do? He stopped. He just said, no, I'm going to strategically use my words. And he said, light, be. Now, notice he didn't have to keep saying, you know what? I'm going to just light. You come on in here. Light, yeah, light. Let's go. Light. He's not just yelling it because the wise know how to use their words properly. He just said, light, be. And there was light. Right? Then you see all the things. You look down all through creation. Let there be animals. Let there be fish. Let there be a firmament. And you see all the things. Everything happening by the words of his mouth. Now, what do most, you know, Christians at this point in life, what are they using their words for? I don't know. I'm not going to give a, a judgment on that. It's not for me to say. But what are you using your words for? Is it for you just to get across how you're feeling at this moment? Just judge that. Look at where you're at. Right? Because I have to, like, this is, I'm teaching to my own self again. Because to grow up, to actively pursue spiritual maturity, I'm going to have to put away some things in my life. And part of it may just be perverse talk. Can't do it anymore. Why? Because what I'm saying actually is dictating how I'm living my life. Let me just show you another uh, scripture here. If you go to uh, James chapter 1, I want to just show you these verses for a sec. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick. They've been say fast, really, really fast. Really, 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 really fast. Quick, 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 to share your opinion. No, 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 no. What does it say? Really, really, really quick to listen. Man, half the problems in this world is people just not listening. Think about it relational-wise. People don't like this. People don't like that. If they would just listen rather than always do the talking, they would understand more heart behind what we're doing. Husbands, wives, kids, all those. If you would just stop so you'd be quick to listen. And then what does it say? No, no, no. To speak and also slow to get angry. And as we've heard it many times before, so a lot of times we flip that. We are quick to speak, quick to get angry, and not even listening. Right? But in order to be wise, what is a wise person doing? How are they conducting? How are they living their life? They are constantly listening. You look at the life of Jesus. God would never tell us to do something that he himself does not do or practice. Like your last, your last prayer time that you had with God, who did all the talking? Think about that for a sec. Your last time that you had with the Lord, who did all the talking? What was the father doing? <laughs> Not a word. What would happen if all of a sudden you switched that and you went, Lord, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to do this first. I'm going to be quick to listen. Lord, what are you telling me? And from that, because prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. <laughs> Think about this. I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it just for time's sake. But uh, So what is then, believers, as Christians, what should be coming out of our mouth continually? Ephesians 5, verse 4 uh, it kind of lays it at the, at the bottom. It says, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. What should be coming out of every Christian? If I, if I were just to punch you, what should come out of you? Praise the Lord. Jesus, I want to thank you for this day. Anytime that you are squeezed, and I mean, I've, I've seen this. My mama does this a lot. I mean, she's really content with the weather. 
her being a really, you know, more created and designed for heat. And, uh, I mean, 40 plus is more of your cup of tea than minus 40. And, uh, but every time that you would see something like that, it, the, 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 all of a sudden, I remember as a kid even standing outside the window, and she would be looking, and all of a sudden, it was a crazy downpour of snow, and the temperature minus 45. <sighs> Praise the Lord! I am content, and you would just see it come out of her. It's there. It, listen, your kids are watching you. I know my mom to be content. When I look at the weather, I go, oh, I wonder how she's doing. Oh, she's doing fine. Because the, the way that she created and she trained herself now is to be thankful to God. And that's just weather. People get cut off in traffic and they lose their lid. You know what? Don't get mad. Don't try to point out that's what you do. It just shows where you are at spiritually. That's okay. Listen, we all have to start somewhere. We all have to, you know, freak out at the person that cuts us off at some point in our life. Nobody just grows up and bees a maturehood. Nobody gets there. Listen, I've done my fair share of cutting somebody off or somebody cut me off and I give them a piece of what I had. Oh, yeah. Don't look at me with those things. Like, I don't know, I don't know. Put, it, put it down, put it down. You, some of you did it just this morning, so just chill out, all right? All right. looking at me like... Gas, I don't know if I can come here anymore. He got mad at somebody. Yeah, those were my old days. That man is now dead and gone. So it's fine. <laughs> so, but instead, what is our voice? Somebody cuts you off? Praise the Lord! Bless you! Listen, you have to discipline yourself in this. Your wife says something to you. Your husband says something that just irks you. You can go into your closet. Nobody else is there. Jesus, I love you. I think I'm kidding. I've had to do this. I have a four and a two-year-old. Sometimes they know how to get right underneath my skin. I've sat in restaurants where people like to smuck. And that's just something. I don't know what it is. It's just maybe part of what I grew up in. And if you did that, you got beat. Well, I don't know what that was. <laughs> And so you hear all those things, and so the first thing is just to go, what's wrong with you? And there's some truth to that, right? There's some truth. But for the most part, praise the Lord. Because why, why is it? Why does he say, get rid of all these obscene stories, these, this foolish talk and coarse jokes? Let this not be part of your vocabulary. The message says, let thanksgiving be our dialect. What's your dialect? It's, you know, when you have certain groups of people, there's a certain way that they talk. Right when I was on sports teams and different different teams like that, we had different ways that we communicated. We shared things, and so the result is that yeah, we had code language. Well, what's the code language for the for the for the church? It's thankfulness, right? Why did they play that song today? Rather than thank you, Lord, that I'm in a building that has heat, like you you miss it, right? So all the things that you're 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 missing what God's doing for you and to you at this exact moment, right? So every time that you get squeezed or somebody does something to irk you, let thankfulness on purpose discipline yourself. Praise the Lord! I'm thankful that I'm alive. Just let it come out of you. And the way you do that, you have to discipline being thankful. Because here's the thing. If you don't discipline in being thankful, you become entitled. The opposite is very not cool. Because what, what really do you have that you actually deserve? Nothing. Nothing. Everything that you have that's good, James tells us, is a gift from above. 
Everything you have. Your spouse is a gift from above. Your children are a gift from above. Your family is a gift from above. This church is a gift from above. Everything that you have, you see the heat. Listen, it's not that God just made this earth and made no heat. He gave it all to us. It's all here. So we want to be thankful, right? And I know that this church will go to a whole new bounds. You personally will go to greater, greater levels than you've ever gone before by just starting to be thankful. Not for everything, thankful in everything. Man, then you can cultivate that no matter how crappy a time may be, a season may be in your life. You can get out of it, overcoming it, no problem, because you learn the talk of thankfulness. Because you know what thankfulness? Thankfulness really is the talk of faith. Because when you can be thankful in all the garbage, Lord, I want to thank you that you're so good to me. You know what's happening? Faith is getting built on the inside of you. It's growing. It's, it's coming up bigger and bigger on the inside of you. And it starts to work on your behalf. Why is it that unthankful people continually just get bad stuff happening to them? It's because they're unthankful. Right? So anyways, just regarding to spiritually growing up. So here's the thing. Every morning, five things. What can you be thankful for? The first thing that you wake up in the morning, Lord, I want to thank you that I have sheets on my bed. I'm thankful I have a bed. I'm thankful my wife didn't snore last night. I said that one this morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you, sweetie, back there. <laughs> okay, and lastly, I'm going to take the last 10 minutes here just to finish off this thing on selfishness. I touched on it last week, but I got to hit it again because this is, this is huge. Now, in order to grow up spiritually, I have to put away childish things. So I have to put away some, some talk. There might be some conversations, some jokes I used to jump in with, but I, I'm putting that stuff away, and instead I'm learning a lifestyle of thankfulness. Now, in selfishness, is the same thing. i got to put away this lifestyle, because in Proverbs eleven twenty four 24, it says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, <clears throat> The reason, selfishness will cause me to live small because my vision doesn't extend past me. Selfishness will keep you focused on you. Your inward conversation will always be, is this convenient for me? Does this fit with what I want to do? And as long as we are thinking that way, we actually are becoming ineffective in the kingdom of God. God can't use a selfish person to reach the masses. God can't use a selfish person to even reach the one. Why? Because they're so focused on themselves that they're unwilling to step out and do something. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, as I said this last week, but the greatest miracle that can happen in a person's life is to leave selfishness. To leave it. Put it behind. Leave selfishness. Put down the mirror, so to say. We got a selfie-absorbed culture. And the moment that gets into the church, we got Christians that are living like this. And they're absorbed with themselves. The problem with that is, is that they can only see themselves. Meanwhile, there is an entire world out here that is looking for someone to get off their phone, to leave selfishness, and to be focused on what can I do? Well, how can I bless you? How can I be a blessing to you today? Now, I'm going to just use this illustration. Is there anybody that would like to come up for an illustration? Don't, don't come running up here. Jay, come on up here. Thank you, Jay. All right. 
Marcel, can you grab that chair for me? That one on the end there? Yeah. And pull it off, and you're going to put it on the stage. <laughs> Welcome, Jake. Great to have you, man. All right, you're Jake, I'm going to get you just to sit on this. I want everybody just to turn to John chapter 13 for a sec. Now, oh, sorry, before I jump into this, Jake, you can just have a seat there, man. I'm going to just... Becoming a selfless person does not mean that you screw yourself over. Do you know what I mean by that? I don't mean that in a crude way, but you're not here just to you know, throw yourself out that you're a doormat to anybody now. <clears throat> you don't live for other people. You live for Him and make yourself available to Him to call on you anytime. See, this is what I'm saying. We're not here. I don't live my life for you. I live my life for Him, and He calls me and moves me to move on your behalf. Because the moment that I'm just living for other people, you will be walked all over, and that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the selfless lifestyle that Jesus called you and I to. Right? That, that's not what it is. But what it is is that I'm responsive. If you look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, I believe it is. Yeah. It says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised for them. So what is your life now? Your life is not your own. Who does your life belong to? It belongs to Him. So I'm not living my life for myself. I'm living my life for Christ. And if Christ tells me to do something, I will do it on His behalf because I love Him. And because I love Him, I'm able to love you. Now Jesus showed the greatest example in all this, but the church's focus needs to be people. It's not about an event. It's not about getting more people just to come. It's about the individual. Because if you have individual influence, you have massive impact. That's what we're looking for. So every single person has value. The one. Every single person does. Why? Because they're made in God's image. Every person. Unborn and born. Every single one of them has purpose. So God's, the God's focus is people. The church's focus is people. And so this is what we're inquired to do. It says in chapter Philippians 2, verse 3. Sorry, I'm jumping around my scriptures here. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as also. Take an interest in somebody else. When's the last time that you took an interest in somebody else's life? Not just go, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's, oh that, yeah, that sucks that you're going through that. Well, you know, have a great day. I'm actually interested in ministering to you, being able to help you. Because listen, the moment that you stop for somebody, you got their attention, they'll open up their heart to you. It doesn't take long. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in Walmart. You can do it in the parking lot. You can do it at Superstore. It's happened over and over. All it is is you take an interest. Not being so much in this rushing, like we said the first one, the go, go, go mentality is to stop. Lord, who am I supposed to bless in this store today? Is there, is there somebody that needs, to, that needs to experience your kindness? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to stop my schedule and let you interrupt me. That's really the only difference between people that are used and people that aren't. It's people that are used are allowing God to interrupt. Because listen, when God calls you, it'll be at the most inconvenient time for you. People are, you know, Holy Ghost, I, you know, it's really not the best time. It's almost lunchtime. I got I to go eat. Yeah, well, have fun with your lunch. All right, okay. Anyways, John chapter 13, I want you to look there for a sec. I'm going to finish with this. But I love this example that Jesus showed us. It says in verse 1, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew 
that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I love those verses. Man, he loved his disciples. He can love them to the very end. Verse 3. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Don't go back. Sorry, don't go to that scripture. And that was the whole response. Now, let me just show something here to you real quick. Jake, would you do a favor? Can you take off your shoes for me and your socks? <laughs> Turn around for me. Just fi fix that. There we go. Now, the world. The world lives their life on this chair. Everybody, and Christians alike, are doing everything they can to sit on this chair and wait for somebody to come and wash my feet. That's how they live their life. They're so focused on who's going to serve me. All right, who's going to able, who's help, who's able to help me out now? I mean, hey, listen, you may be going through a tough time, and you still could be sitting on that chair, and it's the wrong place to be. If you're hurting, the best thing to do is serve him where you're hurting. People are stuck. And why they think is somebody owes them something to wash their feet. Nobody owes you anything. And our master, more than anything else, more than anyone else, didn't deserve this at all, yet he came as a servant. He didn't come and say, here I am, I'm Jesus, y'all. The big JC. No, and listen, during this time in John 13, the disciples had just walked the streets, so it's filthy, it's garbage. Walking across manure, those streets weren't like what we have them today. It's horrible. Yet Jesus got up from the table, poured water into a basin, wiped a towel around it, I just put, you can step on there for a sec. And what he did is he took his disciples' feet and he washed them. I want this just to paint a picture in you for a sec. He washed them. What's that? The water's got to be warm. He washed them. The moment that you and I look to live on this chair, we become ineffectual in the kingdom of God. I'm called not to be a chair sitter. I'm called to be right here. What does ministry mean? To serve. What was Jesus' whole time that he was here on this earth? He came to serve. Now we talk about, oh, that's so wonderful, Jesus. Listen, if I'm going to be just like my master, it also means that I'm supposed to pick up a towel and I'm supposed to serve. So why do I do it? Do I do it? Oh, because I, I love Jake so much. And Jake's just a man. Listen, everything that I'm doing is in response to what I hear him say. Because listen, you can do this. I can wash everybody's feet. But if you're not doing it in response to him, it becomes works. And you'll just drain yourself out. But if I'm doing it because he told me to, I can do it. Because Galatians 6.3 says this. If you think you are too important to help someone, 
you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. If I come to this place and I think, oh, Jake, first of all, you're a Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm way more important than Jake. I'm just more important, first of all, because he likes the Maple Leafs for one thing. And people have all these things where they live up here because of prestige. They think this is who I am in the company. This is what my role is. This is what my bank account says. This is how I live my life. As long as you have that in your mentality, and you'll never stoop this down low, guess what? You will never be effective in the kingdom of God. God can't use you. God needs people here. Not in this place where you're just... <laughs> Mr. Spot, you could go sit again. <clears throat> but that's the heartbeat behind the kingdom of God. That's who we are. That's what we do. Is we're here to serve. So practicality, what do I do? Put the mirror down. Say it with me. Put the mirror down. Because as long as you're living like this, you're missing opportunities to reach and bless others. There's somebody at your work that has never heard the gospel before, but as long as I'm so self-absorbed, maybe by my own self-consciousness, or I just don't know what I would say, it doesn't matter about it. Listen, it doesn't matter about you. Do many times I've walked into Walmart not having a clue what to say, just having a conversation, just saying, how are you? And not just here, good, not, like, you, you doing okay? What's, what's going on in your life? What can I pray with you about? Well, things are going great. Then I can celebrate with them. That is awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Or you know what? I'm going through this little tough time in my life. I remember just seeing that. There was a guy, that, there was a guy and a girl in front of me. Uh, and they, they had groceries laid out on the belt. And they had, to find two, they had to find two or three of their credit cards. They were just scrambling to look for their, their cards because they tried one. It, got, it didn't work. Tried another one. didn't work. So they were looking for everything they can find. And I just got prompted in my heart, buy their groceries. Sure. Uh, hey, hey, guys, would, would you be okay? And I, I don't mean to intrude. And I said, I know you're kind of scrambling for things, but can I, can I pay for your groceries? Would you be okay and willing if I did that for you? And the, the guy looked at me, broke down, and started crying. And it, it was, this wasn't like a, this was a big guy. <laughs> That's why I was kind of like, oh, Lord, I don't want to, like, offend him because I'm not interested in, if, if he's got the money, I don't want to offend the man. But I just said, like, you know what, I just had it in my heart. God told me, and he just asked me to pay for your groceries. I just want to let you know, Jesus loves you. Can I buy your groceries? And the guy broke down crying and said, that would be wonderful. Bought his groceries, able just to talk with him a little bit, hear some of the, the things that they're going through, and just say, want you to know Jesus loves you, and he's got a plan for your life, but you've got you to give him a chance. That's it. Seed sown. You gotta just be led. It may start off like that. It may even just start with smiling. But as long as you come to this point and just think, oh, I don't got time for that. Plus, it's not in my budget, you know. Not in my time, and I got a budget to keep. My wife would be on me if I don't keep this budget. I gotta submit the receipt. Listen. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> As long as you think you're a somebody, you'll view everyone else as a nobody. And that's the bottom line. Our heart here at Impact Life Church, we're not here just to be church sitters and go, oh, um, how can you, you know, bless me this morning? And uh, I'm looking for that. No, we want to change the culture. We want to change the environment that whenever anybody walks in this room, it's an attitude and it's a heart of serving. 
Because listen, when you get to heaven and you go and you just first of all sit down, uh, they'll be like, oh, get your butt up, you're serving. This is how we roll around here. I remember hearing it in one of the visitations and um, Jesse Duplantis had a vision when he went to heaven and he met, he met King David and he bowed before King David. He said, King David, it's so great to see you. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how we do things around here. That we, there's only one king and the rest of us, we serve him and one another. I remember just hearing that going, I mean, I can't prove it's not, it's not in the scripture, but you can't prove that it didn't happen, so whatever. <laughs> but you see the attitude behind that and it lines up with scripture in the sense of everything Jesus came to do, he came to serve. Jesus not one time demanded that somebody do something for him. Not once. Look at, look, you can find all the scriptures. Not one time do you see it. So what was his reliance on? His reliance was on Jesus, or sorry, on God, his father. No matter what kind of problem he went through, he didn't, if it wasn't money, if there wasn't, uh, you know, food to feed all these 5,000 people, he didn't look, okay, how am I going to do this? He knew who his source was, and that is a sign of maturehood, is I'm not dependent on what you think of me. I know who I am in him. So if I have to go low to help somebody else, it doesn't hurt my pride because I don't have one. I lost it. Jesus owns me. I don't own myself. So if I, oh, I think I look stupid during worship. It shows that you're still living in this childhood. You're bound to yourself. Listen, I remember Pastor Lori actually saying this once. If you actually knew how much people aren't looking at you, you'd want to go to counseling. <laughs> Because why? It's never about you. Never. Just say it. It's not about me. It's never been about you. It never ever will be about you. Who is it about? It's about Jesus and his world. And we're part of this awesome story of reaching people and impacting people for Jesus. That's who we are. Let's all stand up.